Uh, uh, I'm Ben Sang, and this is Hudson Kendall. We run Final Hot Desert together. Um, my background's in art shit, and Hudson's is all like biology and outdoor shit. So it's like a pretty good combo for experimenting. But yeah, we're just two fucking kids from Mormon families in Utah. Hiking sculptures <laughs> out to the desert. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I actually read that, that you're, it seems to be like you're both really influenced by mythology. And you actually mentioned like a combination of Mormonism and CCRU. Like, what is that? What is that? Like, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, with the Mormonism stuff, it's like, Utah's weird because you grow up with a filter on everything. Um, you have access to pop culture, but it's like, completely separate from how like the rest of the world takes in pop culture um, because it's through this huge filter of everyone being Mormon and so like when you like leave the church there's like there's like a whole like rite of passage of becoming like a cool kid in Utah and it's like leaving the church and becoming super anti-Mormon and so now like Salt Lake is just full of like tons of angsty kids at bars <laughs> but at the same time like as like a white person in, in uh, the United States being born into this crazy culture with all this mythology and lore is like super, super weird. And I don't know, I see it as like lucky, like it's a weird culture I get to lean back on and we get to lean back on. Right. And so it creates like a whole new um, way of seeing the world. Cause like, no matter what you're leaning back on, on like all these fucking tales that you grew up with, like alternate scriptures, everything. Yeah, no, definitely. That's actually really it's really interesting because I feel like a lot of people who grew up in secular environments, you know, within larger cities, like they're looking for that sort of mythopoetic relationship to the world, to like nature, to all of these things. And they're sort of just kind of like reifying it. Up. <laughs> yeah. They're just like making it up yeah. and they're like finding it on the internet and they're God posting. And you know, there's this whole like debate, like uh, <laughs> how ironic is your like internet <laughs> Catholicism or whatever. But yeah, no, it's, it's kind of amazing talking to people who like grew up ultra religious. I'm actually not somebody who grew up very religious, but ki like kind of religious, you know, but not really. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just like basic uh, Protestant mom who, you know, like doesn't really take it seriously and has kind of like a Spinozist view of God or religion or whatever. I thought it was Spinoza. Yeah, same. I mean, yeah, Spinoza's amazing. It's almost like he, he kind of experienced God and its in its true lack, which made him like actually like very, very spiritual, but no, I want to, I went on a fucking crazy, stupid tangent. Um, <laughs> so growing up Mormon, how does that like influence your practice with, with archeology, span biology and art? Because you guys really fuse all those things together. So with biology first. I'm yeah. Curious. The biology one's kind of weird, right? It's like, it's kind of fascinating because studying biology is, is you're studying yourself, but the religion was already studying yourself, but they're built all around an entirely different structure. So, and they, they try to compete with each other all the time. So you get in, you know, like you get into arguments with yourself because 
what you're studying in in biology is not the same thing that you used that that I was studying in uh, you know when I grew up Sunday school kind of stuff. So it's like it's a like, it's a very different thing. But at the same time, we have like me and Hudson have conversations all the time where we're like trying to find the synthesis between yeah. the two, like because they all even though they want to argue with each other, the two kind of ways of thinking about what we are they totally complement each other so many times. Like, like, like the, like the possession of like, like technologies and ideas being like demons that possess you, like astrology. Like we found like a really good synthesis, at least in our own conversations about that shit. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So I'm starting to, I'm starting to pick up on that too. Like, I know I mentioned Spinoza, but yeah, there's definitely like a way that we can sort of synthesize these I don't know, like newer ways of being with these sort of like older systems of belief. And I think, I think that's kind of like the fascinating thing is, you know, like the 20th century was kind of like a big mistake in a lot of ways. (laughs) And I think that like, I don't know, like whatever is you call this period now, it, it seems like people are sort of like a searching for a loop around to like get away from this, the total mistakes of the third industrial revolution. And I think people are sort of trying to like loop around to like more pre-modern systems of belief. Yeah. Yeah. I think right there, like it gets into like what has been like our primary focus and my primary focus with all the practices I'm involved in, instead of working across like a certain medium of substrate or just being like an internet thing or an in-person thing, orienting every project to be carried out across the substrate of belief where you can very, very quickly restructure your beliefs in a way that makes them accessible for others and actually create belief systems that other people are able to buy into subconsciously or consciously. And once you create those systems, people I mean, I mean, it comes with like a level of dedication from people, which allows them to experience it at such a deeper level, which was the idea with Final Hot Desert in the first place. Like, you know, me and Hudson met working at Amazon at a warehouse um, and like using all of the money and time off we had to ship like crates of sculptures from Europe. <clears throat> like artists were like shocked that we were doing that with our own money. Yeah. And so like that creates like a, a belief in like, oh, these people are going to sacrifice. They believe in it. I believe in it. It's pulling through. And then you get to like eye at eye and shit. And it's completely just a belief system that's being instated and you're involving people in the rituals of that belief system. And so when you put it all together, you just it's just a string of beliefs that creates another world. And I think it kind of feeds into the escapism people want, but also like, creates new pathways for them to like be right. Yeah, no, that's actually incredible. So you guys are like putting to get like putting forth your own resources to do this project. And that's kind of one of the things that I notice is people are so interested in like networking and living in these like big cities. And it's like, well, the reason why we don't really live in a society is because we don't really have any cultural objects that take sacrifice, you know, that to actually like make or create or produce. And without like sacrificial cultural objects, it's almost kind of like, it's really good that people can just 
live, like you guys are in Salt Lake City. I mean, I, I like really appreciate people who are doing shit that way. And, you know, not just sort of like running to like, you know, you see a lot of stuff like on the internet, this kind of like network spirituality or like utopianism <laughs> or like whatever, like what, I don't know, but like you guys are doing stuff in like really beautiful spaces, like making real things. Oh yeah. If you guys want to talk about I8I and final hot desert and just like the various projects too. Well, yeah, it's um, just going off what you're talking about. It's interesting because like final hot desert like became a thing pre pre COVID pre like the huge swing to like the internet. Uh, as as like a offsite central, and and it's interesting um, watching like the waves of that now, and like how the entire underground scene of the offsite has completely capped itself. Like it's not growing. It's like aesthetically really stuck right now, mm-hmm. and um, it, I think it stems from people believing that they're creating like alternative economies without actually doing so. Like when the alternative economy is just like likes on one page, like that doesn't do shit. Like exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It's like, if you're going to create an economy, create an economy that actually uh, lets people grow. Like it doesn't just reward the same thing every time. And that's like, that's like why it's important to like, I know like Hudson has a scientific perspective on everything. And when we're installing shit, it's like, it's completely different than installing in like a gallery in Europe and shit like that. Or like, and it's like the the artists sometimes come out too. Like we just did a show with Lara Joy Evans. That's, that's so oh, much fun. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. artist comes out. That's so fun. Yeah, and like and like Hudson took us on this crazy caving experience. Like Hudson's part of this grotto. So he's got like all the secret cave hookups, and uh, you know, like to be able to guide artists through this huge cave and repel and do this deep cave shit. It's like insane. It actually creates like memories. Like that's what's a, that's that's what that's the shit that actually changes your practice like yeah no that that's amazing i mean it's kind of funny like i've been talking to some people lately and we're like totally not on the same page and i feel like i'm fighting this thing and it's it's (laughs) just like it's like kind of like you're battling demons on the on you know on the astral plane and it's just everything becomes psychic warfare because like what you were saying it's like people think that they're creating these alternate economies Like I'm a total skeptic of like web three crypto, all of this stuff. I think it's just kind of all been gamified. It's and because it doesn't entail like any sort of sacrifice, like exactly kind of like what you were saying earlier, but yeah, no, like creating memories by like taking people caving and, you know, seeing these stalactites and like, I think that's really, really important because yeah, like that's what changes your practice. It's tough. It's like, it's like we focus so much on on the economies, like the way we transact, but we don't. We focus so much on it that we lose track of what the purpose of all that transaction even is. Like, why are we trading? Why are we? Why are we communicating over these net, social networks? Like, there has to be a real life point to it. And, and, and then, and then, even when the new like new economy opportunities like emerge, like, I mean, it was it's it's been really hilarious to watch the art world's reaction to nfts obviously you have like obviously you have everything that everyone knows all the storylines whatever but like the reality is is like you like this this whole like financial opportunity pops up for artists and they bully each other about like the greenness of the whole thing and like rob themselves of it by like creating this like 
talking about the gas fees and shit. And it's like the phone you're tweeting from has a bigger carbon footprint than those gas prices. Like (laughs) it's, it's, it's interesting how even when these alternative economies uh, start to emerge, um, they're, 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 they're commodified so quickly by the very rich and the, the underground or whatever you want to call this, the art scene bullies each other out of it. Mm. It's, it's, I, I don't have a definitive opinion on NFTs. I don't really care, but like, yeah, that's just a funny thing to watch happen. Like maybe something could have cool, could have done like gone down with it, but, but now we like, we decided to like stigmatize the whole thing. So systems of belief, I feel like people like the sort of like manufacturing of alternate economies isn't necessarily because they're making something new. It's because they're trying to actually build a belief in that thing. So they're not like doing anything else, but trying to, you know, build an infrastructure of belief in something new in a kind of way to like naturalize heaven. But you guys are more interested in like older things, which is like really refreshing. What do you mean by older things? You know, like older, like, you know, when you talk about, you know, belief, you're talking about it in a way that's like the notion of sacrifice and belief today, they seem like almost separate conversations. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, it's it's been a weird learning, like learning curve with it too, though, because like, I mean, as Hudson was saying, like, even if you're introducing like this Mormon backbone into all this shit, like you're still doing it in a way that is um, different from like how you learned it. And so mm-hmm. it's um, rejected by the way, like people who taught you those things, it's not accepted in the same way that you're believing it. And, and it's interesting because also like Mormonism yeah. is a super neoliberal religion now. Like, but like originally like, Joseph Smith, like him, came from like a line of like magic practicers, like folk magic shit, like like doing rituals with angels to find buried treasure. Like that was, that's what it was about. That's how it started. And right when I started Final Hot Desert, I I did some, I did I did like the synthesis of my Mormon shit and like also the online research into demons and angels and stuff, and did like a couple rituals where um like trying to contact angels and then not like make a deal with them but make like a promise to them and ask for their support we did yeah. i did that a couple times and then um with i and i we kind of accidentally did one with an entity that we don't really know um oh, wow it's yep. been scary actually like actually um there's been a lot of chaos because did, have you story. This is a good story. Yeah, have you seen the Falconer sculpture, the original one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just out on the salt flats in the winter. It's snowing. It's just a pose held, but like that, that, that piece, that like gesture, just happened. Like it was not planned at all. But once it happened, we all, everyone there, everyone that saw it, like it immediately gripped everybody, and we were so aware that it was like a very ritualistic thing that had happened. And we all at that point hard committed to doing this eye to eye shit. And 
it's been interesting because we felt pretty possessed by it, but not knowing its intentions, like with an angel that I'm like talking to, like making a promise to and asking for help. That's one thing, but like creating like an idol that gets possessed by something and then like seeps into your system and is running you all over the world. Like, I don't know. It got to the point where like people that were not involved with Ida at the beginning were talking to me in person and over DM about like, is this responsible or not? Like we had people crying out of fear at our shows. Like it was, that's amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. But also it was like, and like, you know, they're also experiencing euphoria and stuff because it's the reality is, is we're, we're doing energy rituals, extractions, you know, generally without the known consent of the crowd and that, and they feel that. And it's really interesting to think about the responsibility of the whole thing. Like, can you make this good? Can you, is it, it's not good or bad, but like, what are you going to do with it? And it gets, it gets scary sometimes. At the beginning of the pandemic, I had this whole, you know, idea for the project that was almost kind of like similar. If you guys want to talk about I8I a little bit, just because you guys span this like media, mediological gamut of different things. So you do mostly visual stuff with I8I, right? Yeah. And it's, and it, and it involves like music. And if you want to talk a little bit about some of the ideas or the process that goes into working with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it basically it was, I mean, with, with like how it started from my perspective, it started different from everybody's perspective, but I was looking at, um, widening final hot deserts reach just in audiences. And I, for some reason, final hot desert has a huge following of like DJs. And so I was like, yo, I, I reached out to one of them. I was like, yo, um, I'm thinking about starting a label. Like, what do you look for in a label? And they're like, fuck that. We have this other idea that's kind of, uh, it was six, eight, the producer. Basically they hit me up and then them and fitness drove out from LA to Utah the next week. Falconer happened and all of a sudden everything was happening. But basically we, we, we write a lot and we write a lot. Like we probably have like documents and documents. Like I know we have like several, like, 30 to 60 page documents of all this like background lore and like ritualistic stuff that surfaces in our, that just surfaces in like the performances and the videos where it's using final hot desert as a backdrop of like this world and in showing that there are rituals, there are interactions happening between these archetypal characters that are the musicians. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like an overlay, um, which is like, I feel like, contemporary mythologies are kind of just overlays over the contemporary world, but it's created a whole space that is physical, that is real, that people can actually experience and write their own mythology. in. it's super abstract. Like it started with 50 members and I don't even know what we're at now. Like we're, we're at much less than that. Wow. People, people get freaked out. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like during tour, like we, 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 we were even like people were dipping, like it was crazy. Um, 
Ida is heavy on my mind right now. It's hard to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. So what do you, so what, what do you do musically or do you just do visual stuff or? or? They let me be the hype man. Oh, so you're the hype man. Oh, that's sick. Oh, that's, that's Every rad. once in a while I get to press lights too. It's sick. Yeah, no, it, it kind of seems like, uh, like the temple of psychic youth you know, in Genesis P origin, all of that stuff. Like I, I, I find that stuff like really, really fascinating. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of crazy. Cause I really wanted to do something like that. But like you said, it's like people drop off. I've had people a lot drop of, off. Hard. It's heavy. It is like people have dropped off from this project because they're like, this is too crazy for me. Like I can't, I can't deal with this. It's like, this is insane. Like type of shit where people, it's like, if you actually go to those places and you're be, you're possessed by some like ineffable spirit or whatever you want to say it and you're summoning these things it's it gets to be really fucking heavy for people and they can't deal with it they're like whoa like i don't really want to live in this world and it's almost yeah. like i mean there's almost a, a sort of like gnosticism to it because the totally. world is is so gnostic right now it's almost like a gnosticism and rejection of not of like contemporary Gnosticism in a Gnostic way? posture correction systems. Oh man, that's a great way of fucking putting it, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. If you could talk about that. Yeah. Uh, back to just like the heaviness. I mean, there were several times, I mean, we just, we just finished up a tour in Europe. I didn't stay for the whole thing. Cause like not everyone has a budget for me to do sculptures and art and stuff. And it's like, we broke as fuck out here, but like, um, during sets or like after parties of the I I shows it's still in the venue where I was very, very, very convinced of like a heaviness in the space that felt like a curse being put on everybody. Like where you're looking around, looking at everybody else, like everyone is under this curse right now. Like they might not know it, but I think they know it. Like everyone can feel this shit right now. And yeah. like, yeah, if you're talking about like Gnostic posture correction, like, it's almost the, the, the heaviness of it's like an intensity. It's, it's like when I need my back cracked, I need like cinder blocks dropped on my back. Like, and it's like, that's what like what I, I, I does for me in a way. It's like, it like takes everything, like everything you're, you're like trying to orient your beliefs to, you're trying to study, you're trying to learn, you're trying to grow, you're trying to help people. And then in order to like refine that shit, it needs just a weight dropped on it. It's, it's whack. Like on the tour in Europe, like we're, we're out playing typical like trance sets and shit. Like we're making people mosh and like throwing like for fitnesses shows, we literally drag him across the floor and throw him at people. Like it's, it's, it's abrasive. And every single show almost, yeah. Every single show led to a conflict of someone trying to cancel us. Like for being, for, for, for like, for, for just like the violence of these shows, even though that right. no one really got hurt, but like, <laughs> it's, um, it, it, it's been wild just because we live in a very like soft world right now. We do as far. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's such a soft world, but people want to experience intensity and when they get it, they get, they freak out. Yeah. No, it, it's funny that Pete, you talk about like being canceled for stuff like that. I know I, I kind of relate on, on, a, on a more micro scale. It's like, you know, you can sort of 
engage in these discursive culture war battlegrounds. But once you transcend that, or not transcend, but once you become parallel to that and you start to like ramp up the intensity, you know, there's a, it, it incurs a kind of like violence to people that I feel like they just, they literally can't handle. Like they can't mm. handle it because everything has become so binary. There's no really like polysemic reading of the landscape or the world. So in order to sort of like escape these things, people, they just drop the fuck off. It's fucking crazy. I mean, <laughs> it, it pisses them off. Like, because, you know, they, then they start to say, they start to throw around invectives like nihilism, cults, <laughs> uh, you know, shit like that. It's a, Oh yeah, just like the intensity. I mean, that's why members of Iodai are dropping off. That's why everything's dropping off. And it's like, it's like, that's all the, so the difference between Final Hot Desert and all these alternative platforms is like, there's an intensity of like, I mean, Hudson are on dirt roads in the middle of fucking nowhere, hiking shit out, like sweating like crazy and shit. And like, it's sick. Like it's the best moments of our life. Like we have so many adventures. Like Hudson built this uh, like zebrafish embryology lab in his room and slept in an L around it because there wasn't room for his, for his mattress. Like, it's like, that's like, that's the, that's, I feel like that's the intensity that I want to be a part of. Yeah. Hey, you gotta live it. You gotta experience the craziness for a little while, you know? Once it, once it gets to your soul, then you start experiencing something new. Yeah, no, definitely. So Hudson, you are a biologist. Yeah. And so how does, um, but no, yeah, like sleeping in an L-shaped format. That's actually, I mean, that's like why I like to sleep on the floor. I mean, there's like a lot of reasons, I think, to do things that are uncomfortable. And I think when people, like you said, like we live in like a soft-ass world. And that's why society isn't that real. It's like you guys talk about writing. Like I've been writing a lot too, like sort of like philosophy fiction stuff. And it kind of dawned on me, like the reason why I'm writing this, you know, speculative theory fiction is because that's actually the place that I want to live. Like I realize, like the reason why I'm obsessed with this is because the one hasn't really gotten me to where I want to go. And it's kind of crazy to think about just how these things can just kind of like when you let them carry you and they're not like trapped within some algorithmic cycle or they're not like gaming or scheming for anything social. Cause like, I love how you guys just like live in Utah. I mean, it's one of the reasons I moved to Texas from LA. None of this is real. If you do good things, it doesn't matter if you actually care about stuff. If you make sacrifices, like all of this other shit won't fucking matter. You know what I mean? Like, and it's totally okay yeah. to piss people off and I mean, what you guys are doing, it's kind of like jester or like Hayoka behavior. People think, you know, engaging in these discursive contemporary cultural battlegrounds will get you in hot shit. Like, just wait till you try to escape it and see, you know, <laughs> and see how fucking pissed people will get so mad. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, yeah oh, it's funny. It's funny to it's funny to work in that way because because at the same time it's it's interesting like I don't know every time I come back from Europe is I've never lived 
in an art capital. Hudson's never lived in like a scientific capital. Like we have to like leave here to go there. We're living a satellite life, kind of connecting ourselves to, to sort of, you know, role models or whatever cultures that aren't here. We have to create them here. And, but that's the problem is like, you try to create that kind of culture in Utah. Like, like, like you, you're trying to create like something more rigorous. No one fucks with it. You just end up pissing people off. Like final hot yeah. desert has no exactly. local audience at all. Only haters. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, people look at it and it's so unfamiliar. It has no bearing in the culture that's here. Like, even though it's in their backyard. Exactly. There's nothing to latch onto and, you know, there's nothing in the soul. There's no structure yet. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. And like my, my professors at this tiny art school I went to in central Utah said that, said that this idea was complete bullshit. But like, I'm convinced that like, there's a reason that all the most famous land art is in the same place where like the Mormons went to like, to like find refuge. Like, like there's a spirituality here. And and when you are finally able to get your friends from LA or the people you connect with that are willing to go hard, um, yeah. artists with Final Hot Desert, when you finally get them out here, it's like they feel that freedom you were just talking about, getting away from it and being able to do something that they don't have the guts to do anywhere else. Um, yeah, and, I mean, and I think that's what makes yeah. those projects special. Yeah, I mean Robert Smithson in, in Salt Lake. I mean, there's like a there's an actual sort of like historical artistic installation lineage that revolves. Yeah, you come to Utah to ball out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, that's sick. I mean, it, it's kind of cool that, you know, you guys are sort of, in some ways, it's like the people feel are like disconnected from what you're doing or it creates some sort of like weird space or there's like haters. But then at the same time, like Spiral Jetty, uh, you know, is that was basically where you guys are. So did that have an influence on you knowing that there's sort of like this lineage or historical lineage of installation art in the, the area that you grew up in? Is that something that you sort of had like a conscious understanding of that you wanted to sort of like take to a further conclusion? Yeah, absolutely. Like the first two shows were like, the first one was installed at Spiral Jetty. The, first, the second one was installed at the Tree of Utah. Um, which is a huge giant concrete and ceramic or ceramic tile tree in like the West desert by the architect, Carl Moman. And it's like, yeah, that was the original reference. And it's interesting because looking back at those first shows, there was that huge gesture. And then it's been a move towards like the more natural shit. Like, um, and I think, I think I want to, I think, I think next year I, I wanted to start doing like, I think I've got a show planned right now for the sun tunnels by Nancy Holt. Oh, yeah. oh nice. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, you can see pictures of these anywhere, but like going to them in person, it's just a whole different experience. I mean, it's just being us like finding any remote special place. Like there's an energy that, you know, you know, like I, I got into art because like I could even see like, like, when I first fell in love with art, I would find pictures of sculptures online and they'd bring me to tears. Like, cause I couldn't see art in person. Um, you know, I mean, and then the, my only other experience with that was, you know, hiking mountains, like climbing and shit. Oh. And so of course, it, like it only makes sense to bring those two together. 
Yeah. Like we grew, me and Hudson grew up with this like crazy, crazy intensity. Yeah, that's the thing though. Like this intensity, I mean, the common thread here is it always comes from that isolation. When you can get away from any feedback, when all, all you've got is your head for a little bit, things get intense and things get real. That's like, like if you want to have the Utah experience, you just, you just look at a peak. You're like, that is the highest peak I can see. That's the highest thing on the whole horizon blocking my view. I'm going to get to the top of that thing, no matter what. And it takes you like eight hours and you just bushwhack it right up that mountain. Just like, (laughs) that's, that's what feels good is when you can be alone and experience that. So like, I mean, the desert is probably, that's the whole symbol of desert, I guess. Just that pure isolation, that mental, I don't know, it amplifies everything, I guess. In, in I8I, you guys talk about microplastics and, you know, sort of oh, like yeah. <laughs> pre-human waste management gone wrong. And the kind of synthesis between those two oh things. And, and I, I find that to be a really interesting... Pray for the oil and gas industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that when you say pray for it. That's, that's really beautiful. But would you almost say, because you guys are out in Utah and you're like experiencing, you're having these like really intense experiences with nature and with art and with actually sort of like going inward. Like that's kind of how I see it is almost like, mm-hmm. kind of like what I said earlier is like, it's almost like a Gnosticism or how did you describe it? You're like Gnosticism. What, what'd you Gnostic say? Gnostic posture correction system. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fucking, that's so sick. Like, I love that. But um, would you, how, how is your relationship to the internet? Because, you know, it takes you to Europe. It takes you to like all these other places where people do appreciate and they do see your work and they do, you do sort of like have these and like, what is it like bringing that there and how is the internet is like the internet how do you see the internet is it just a messenger an angel of its in its own sort of way we've talked about like i mean if you're gonna have like a a more like spiritual like ontology towards the like oil and gas industry in general and just um the way society functions right now and if you're going to be engaging in these rituals i think it's important to realize which things are rituals and which things are like your magic mirrors and your objects. And like an iPhone is absolutely just a magic mirror. Like you, you, you swipe the right combo uh, on, on your, with your thumb as you're staring into it and you make a friend like that's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's a summoning device. Like it's absolutely like you have the right intentions. Like when I'm coming off Adderall after I've been in the studio for like 12 hours, I get super nice and it's like this ritual for me to just get on IG and just try and like, just reach out to my friends. Like, like it's, it's such a ritualistic process. I mean, so many people just use it for unwinding at night. And that's like, I guess like there's levels of healthy and unhealthy to that, but they don't realize that they're engaging in a huge, huge, hugely powerful medium. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, there's, there's like, it's like, yeah, everyone's, everyone's somewhere else. I, I feel like aside from the actual exhibitions here, everything in my life is happening so far away from me. Um, and so in a way, like, I don't feel bad about spending 
hella time on my phone sometimes. Like if, yeah. if as long as you're seeing it like a magic mirror, like as long as you're like interacting with it, it's sick. It's just like it's just like studying a book. Like you I mean, it's 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 a textbook that's unwritten. It's it's like it's a it's a uh, it's written in code, like but it's absolutely a spiritual book. It's absolutely like canon for today is like the source code of Instagram, like these algorithms. Oh yeah, complete. I a hundred percent agree with that. That's pretty fascinating. Cause like you think about the book, like the book, the paper and ink object, it's sort of, it's such a, like to write a book, you're, you're compiling so much culture and information from your past, from all these other people and compiling into one object. But that happens at such a discrete, in discrete time steps, like an author will compile a book only once in a while and they take, they reach into the past and they pull these ideas and they synthesize them. But like Instagram, for example, that we've been talking about, it's such a continuous version of that. Like culture is com- continuously reintegrating itself. And yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's quite a device. actually. Oh, and, and you think about just like the, the, the whole alchemy of it, the rare earth materials were put together. Like originally you're talking about like sacred books being written by handwritten by monks. And it's like, there's the, there's the paper, the way it's prepared. There's the leather, there's the binding, there's all this artistry. And now, you know, that's mechanized, but that's just like a, that's just like, um, I mean, it's a symptom of, of, of honestly just being absolutely possessed by the oil gods. Like all of our, like, like the, the, the concentration of rare earth metals in a phone is automatically going to be magical. I don't like, you could have the raw materials in front of you. And I swear to God, you could communicate with people like that. That's kind of what that book Cyclonopedia was hinting at. Yeah, that's that, it, that, it, that, that's it's how like Ariman, you know? Yeah. I mean, all that yeah. ox shit, the, like that's how I had, I connected originally was talking about Cyclonopedia. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I definitely got that that vibe. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say. And it's interesting that you talk about like the internet and how it's a book that keeps writing itself. And it's almost it's 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 weird because it's self-autobiographizing as well. And I mean, any book, you know, I like Paul DeMann a lot, and I, you know, the way he talks about, you know, the autobiography as being its own genre. Well, it doesn't have to be its own genre because as soon as you put your name on the book, it autobiographizes itself essentially. And the internet is like a really insane extension of this epistolary romance from, you know, everything from like Holderlin and Antigone to now. It's just completely fucking insane how all this stuff like you see it all of the time. It's, it's completely insane, whether it's like Greta Thunberg or <laughs> e-girls on the internet. It's like you see this stuff. Her perfect twin, um, Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Born on the same day. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Like you cannot convince me that there's not some spirit animating all of this stuff, whether it's exactly. on the internet. It just, to me, like, I just have a really hard time believing that. And I like how you're like, yeah, I don't feel bad. It's honestly, if you're somebody who's isolating and working in like a serious, rigorous practice and you get on your phone and you share that, you're using the tool. 
for its exactly. for its basically like intended romantic purpose. You, you know what I mean? So I'm not one of those people who's like, well, this is all cope. Like you can't use anything. I just think, I think it's cope to sort of like try to reinvent these things new and package them as something different when it's all meteorology, it's all messengers, it's all, you know, St. Augustine, it's all of these things that they've been talking about for fucking centuries. And you just need to, I think people just need to recognize like there's a serious lineage that goes way the fuck back. You know, like when they invented the concept of the angel and the messenger, they almost invented the internet itself. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, Well, and then what's interesting is like, I mean, with the the whole angel messenger, it's automatically connected to these belief systems that, that the angels function in and the, the demons function and, and all these different, different agents. And I mean, it's very, very clear, obvious shit that like the internet is now just a battleground of belief systems. It's where all, it's where the greatest war is being fought, but it becomes really interesting. Um, I'm reading um, the book of pleasure by Austin Osman Sparrow right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And like hearing like, like really getting into like, I, like our focus has been all about like working in the substrate of belief and then, and belief is a very conscious thing. It's, it's turning like the unconscious aspects of yourself and bringing them to consciousness and then living by them. But actual on an evolutionary scale, belief is so, it, 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 it stops you. It, 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 it kills what you're doing in a way like, like, I mean, the, the best example from the book is, is the, is the bat, like another mammal, obviously from a distant evolutionary lineage of ours was able to like biologically figure out how to fly. And it was through an unconscious desire, not a conscious one. Like we figured out how to fly in through mechanizing things, but humans still can't fucking fly. Like, and, and we focus so much conscious energy and belief on this thing, yet the organism that never believed in it, never consciously thought of it, but unconsciously desired it, is the one that succeeded. And so when you take it back to the internet, all these like belief systems really colliding in this huge epicenter of like of these rare earth materials, angel messengers, it's like I'm curious what the unconscious desire is between all this because that's what's going to be achieved. And how do we sort of, how does one describe unconscious desire? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's something that I think about all the time because, you know, people had this idea and I think they look towards like, you know, 20th century industrial production and stuff like Marxism as this idea that you know, and you see it in Deleuze too, and you see it in all of these kind of like theorists where they talk about like desire as being this thing that's like a, a production, like there's a producing machine that produces desire. But almost because of the internet and because of this like age of, you know, pure messages and conflicting, you know, battlegrounds within like this totally immaterial plane, 
it, you know, like you said earlier, like the internet is just like a, a battleground of conflicting belief systems. It's like, it's almost like you can't even make that case anymore. So what good is like, where does the material factor into this? But obviously, like you said, you know, like there's like a certain deity you can ascribe to oil, for example, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's totally fucking crazy. Like I'm trying to make sense of this shit all the time. Well, we kind of, we went on this one time, like the material part of it, like the, like, like the stuff, like the way we even built these devices, right? Like this cell phone or the internet, they're just made of computers and stuff. They're, and the, the demons are being studied so hardcore. Like we're controlling the way materials function because we know how to harness the demons within them. And we, we create, I mean, you mentioned the name sigils. We created these sigils, these devices that, you know, like, like, um, you know, like electrons, we, move, we, we control the path of these electrons and they themselves are the demons that, that operate on the world. Right. And we build these super complex, increasingly complex devices to just try to harness that material aspect. And we don't, we're so oblivious to it. We're so oblivious to it. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like. Yeah. I mean, the thing that got me into astrology was like I wrote a thesis for it, uh, not a thesis, like a final for my uh, an astronomy uh, college course um, on neutrinos, which are like these crazy subatomic particles, millions of millions of them passing through you every split second, um, constantly cascading from every astral body out there, and it's like the unique combination of neutrinos flowing through your body the second you achieve a level of consciousness as an organism is completely unique to every person. And it's like, I mean, that's like, and, and to have a belief system that ascribes that to destiny and character is, is immaculate. Like from my perspective, like, I, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, it's like talking about how these electrons are the demons. They're the ones that are controlling all these subatomic particles and creating these pathways. Um, that's what does anything. And I think when you, take it back to where you're talking about, like, how do you describe this? How do you achieve anything with it? I think it might be pretty impossible as like self-conscious beings. Like it goes back to Adam and Eve. Like once humanity had the unconscious desire to develop self-consciousness, because that's what we did achieve is self-consciousness and consciousness. Mm -hmm. We, we robbed ourselves of the ability to achieve the bliss of, unconscious evolution like yeah I, I i think i think that's fascinating like, like it completely rehashed like why the, a, a, a version of the adam and eve story is such like a universal thing it's like the the there was an unconscious decision to achieve knowledge of good and evil or to be able to perceive that kind of duality through self-consciousness and now I feel, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's possible for self-conscious beings to achieve that level of bliss ever. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, I had David Pierce, the transhumanist on last episode, which yeah, I, saw, I haven't listened to it yet, but I that, saw that that pissed off a lot of fucking people because they're like, how dare you try to naturalize heaven <laughs> and, and, and but but like you were saying earlier, I don't think you can have 
true hedonic bliss without some concept of human suffering. Because at that point, you know, you're reduced to a pure biological specimen. And at that point, you're, you're merely reproducing yourself in this material way. But unfortunately, there's a sort of like conscious desire to reconcile between, with these, these immaterial, these material planes that actually like work hand in hand together. Like there's actual, you know, allegorical evidence of these things actually happening. And so to everyone who got pissed off, like, I'm really glad that you get to hear like a white pill where I'm talking to these amazing guys. And, you know, we agree. I agree with them on everything that they're saying and it's it's kind of (laughs) perfect and whatever, but yeah, no, it's, it's kind of like a total white pill to hear you guys talk about this stuff in, in such a way that I think people can really sort of understand, which is that, you know, none of this stuff is new. It's all data. Um, and at a certain point, like you have to start to integrate data with, you know, different processes of intelligence that already exist out there. And if it existed for, for centuries, since the beginning of consciousness, you know, and, and I don't know, like what else, like, what do you guys think of that? I'm just, you know, I go to the maps you've been looking at, like freaking maps, metabolism and shit. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like the, yeah, like the way, like consciousness is built on this massive tower of complexity. It is the tip of the tip of the tip of an iceberg of like all this crazy demons running around, right? It is such a tiny fraction of what's happening. It's, I, I don't know how to get started on it. I mean, it's like, it's like, we're talking about, it, it gets really funny though. Cause then you, you talk about like, oh, we can't achieve this unconsciousness yet. We're completely run on an unconscious yeah. system like <laughs> biologically. And so, and it gets really interesting when you try, like it, it makes computers look dumb with the source code you write, because then you start breaking down, like, like Hudson, right before we, we hopped on this, on this talk, like Hudson was showing me this insane, insane, insane map of just metabolizing structures and protein pathways and how this stuff is, um, is working together is interacting and like how it's still a tip of an iceberg. Yeah. Like the way, the way you like biologically, the way you function, the, the thing that evolution functions on isn't about, isn't consciousness even like consciousness was an accident in the, in the big picture of evolution. The way I 100%. see hundred percent. Uh, yeah, like, no, Bruno Latour, he, he talks about this or he writes about this. Yeah. It's like the thing evolution sees when it's, you know, working, if you, if you personify it as a demon itself, it just sees these molecules, just, it, it it's, tra- it's creating this system, this network of like converting one organization into another organization and covering that organization into these organizations and like the way these, um, these conversions interact with each other, the way they share these structures, it creates like a, I mean, it, it solves the problems of physics and evolution has solved everything. (laughs) Consciously, we know nothing really. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And that's, and that's what gets crazy is when people like oversimplify that and, and, and like, look at that from a macro point of view. They're like, oh, well, like 
the geosphere was created and then the biosphere emerged through these processes. And now we're seeing like the beginning, like we have a technosphere and now we're getting close to a noosphere. But I think that's such a huge simplification when consciousness changes all, like self-consciousness changes all of that. Self-consciousness. It's a reflection of your mind. Are you still there, by the way? Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm here. I just okay, cool. I turned it off. I for one second. Wait, one second. <laughs> you too. I'm like, yeah, 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 no. But it's like you can't expect like self-conscious beings to self-organize it the way that unconscious beings do. Like, yeah. and and I've I've been obsessed oh, like yeah. like from like a utopian Mormon perspective. Like, like it's super sick because growing up I didn't like Mormons believe that like going to heaven and being stuck there is hell because you're stuck. And it's like, they believe you achieve whatever heaven you deserve and you go to that heaven. Like this was a heaven of our last life. We, we all achieved this shit together and we achieved to be here. And from here, everyone will achieve their own heaven and continue forever, constant progression. And so like, from that perspective, when I started like learning about the noosphere, like eight years ago, I was like, whoa, this shit's perfect. Like this, like Mormons talked about this, like this is the noosphere is just the next heaven. But when you look at like self-organization, I think, I think just decay. That's what it's all about. This is just a big mess of decay. Yeah. It just, it just comes down to decay. Like, like it's the unconscious aspects of us that are going to reorganize themselves after we're gone. It's what, what, what happens to decaying consciousness. We don't know where it goes. Like, yeah. Or do we? I don't know. Hudson would have a better idea of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. Just, talk about biological epigenesis and how that <laughs> and epigenetics and and how that factions okay. in. Yeah, like just the comment on decay. Like that is a beautiful way to put this whole plant, like really the whole universe, but to bring it down into like something we can digest, like this whole thing about life and evolution and like it's perfect ways that it achieves the processes that it has to do. It's doing all this as a function of decay. Like all this complexity happened because it's falling apart. That's what is driving it all. It's crazy. Like (laughs) things must spread out. Like it's entropy, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, we will dust to dust, but dust along the way, all this crap is happening. And yeah, that's what yeah. consciousness does. It seeks to control or almost like ignore entropy. You <laughs> yeah. Know, for the sake of, you know, becoming like titans that harness oh, fire and, you know, the Promethean urge to control all of this shit. And I'm just like, it's I just, just ride in a wave of dust. Uh, it's just dust to dust. It's like, it's like, if you're going to talk about it, if there's like one purely omnipotent substance in this universe that escapes all duality, it's dust. Like, yeah. So press your face into the sediment. Like, oh, yeah. like that's why I got into archeology. Oh. It's like, look at his, like, look at like dust pressing against itself for eons of time. And that's where you'll oh, find man. like spirituality. That's where you find everything compressed and decaying and growing again. Like, I just like I, I I just want like I just want to to do something there. Like that's that's I, I, I studied archaeology in college strictly to like understand how to curate with final hot desert more intentionally. Because you're you're installing, you're pressing things into the dust, you're installing them there. 
and to view it as like a reverse archaeological practice of um, installing the artifacts. And so it's like, how can you curate more intentionally to create like an awareness of this, of this entropy, of this dust, like the fact that every cell is, 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 is the unconscious artifact of consciousness. And it's funny because like you can curate like this and I'm not claiming all that I'm good at it yet. Like I'm just trying to understand this shit. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm not good at any of this shit. I don't make any sort of claim that I'm good at it. But the process of trying to understand it is really a kind of liberatory process. And I think that's kind of why, you know, you talk about being Mormon and how you've integrated this belief system into your, into your practice, but people would see it as almost like heretical in a way. But in my opinion, it's like, well, isn't that just the essence of Jesus you know, was being sort of like eternal outsider figure who was kind of represented two warring factions within one body. I mean, that's that to me, it's almost like it takes a lot of courage, you know, it really does. And it pisses well, people, you know, it's crazy. It does that. It, well, it's really interesting too, because like Final Hot Desert popped off at the beginning because it's like the second show, the one at the Tree of Utah was like, I mean, it was very, like, it was photographed really well. We had, like, amazing light, and it was viral for yeah, the algorithm. Beautiful. Yeah, and so it's, like, then, you know, this kind of style emerged, but I'm not, I'm not married to, like, any of these, like, trendy aesthetics. Like, sometimes artists do them really well, sometimes not. Uh, more often not, though. And so it's been really cool after like settling down. It's like, okay, this shit had a hype. Uh, and, but like, what do I actually care about? What do we care about when we're out there? And it's allowed a, a huge curatorial, like relief um, to, you know, put on shows that like, you know, you get a show that like goes like semi-viral in Instagram art world. And then the next one like falls flat, but it's like so much more fire. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like uh, you never know what what's gonna hit and it's almost like unbeknownst to everyone else or or or, or you can tell what's going to hit like a, a like the instagram audience it's like you can take a, like i have we have but how Hudson much does that matter does that it, re- exactly exactly because yeah. it's like me and hudson have like four shows that we documented that we're sitting on right now and it's like at each site like we we click the we we, we take the photo and immediately we're like okay this one's gonna pop off or we take the photo and we're like, yo, this one's definitely not going to pop off, but this one is crazy. Like, and like even moving to like the white space with John Knight's work where it's like kind of a, uh, it's expanding final hot desert in a way of like, like these white space shows are important to me, way more important than I thought they'd be. I've only done two and just with John Knight. I don't know if, I don't know where that will expand exactly, but um, to take the, you know, the, the, the curatorial cues from, from the experience of Final Hot Desert and integrate them into a white space is, is really interesting because, like, for example, John Knight's show online did not pop off, but to the live audience, because it was engineered specifically for, like, a decaying punk community in Leipzig. Like it had like, it had an amazing impact in person. 
like mm. incredible. Like the audience there was, I was shook how, from how shook they were. <laughs> uh, and so it, it gets really interesting. Like I, I want to curate in the dust forever, but like, it's, it's good to pull away from that too. It's also, I mean, it's also a gesture of like, yo, this offsite shit isn't sick unless it's done right. And so like, you have to do the right thing for the artwork every time. Like, and sometimes the offsite is actually in a white space and some underground space in Leipzig. Like, Oh yeah, definitely. Um, that's interesting that you, you take final hot desert almost like wherever you go. So you'll have That's, shows in Leipzig. Talk about that because to me, it almost seems like, um, you know, you do very like spites, uh, site specific work. Um, but how does it, how do you take that somewhere else and call it and sort of like have it under the same name? As I know that you actually don't make art for you're taking on like a more curatorial role. Yeah, I, I will never show my own work with Final Hot Desert. Um, a, that's taboo, and B, like, I'm more interested in involving other people. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was originally designed as it is because it's like I, uh, I, I, needed, I, I knew I needed to create something that could be taken anywhere. Um, because, like, I don't know, my future's uncertain. I don't know. And... Uh, it, it, this is where, this is where for me, I'm trying to create actual economies that actually reward artists too. Right. It's like, it's like, yeah, you can, you can give someone likes on IG, but like, like I've had a couple shows. Can you give them an experience? Can you give them something? Exactly. That, yeah. Like, like me and John Knight flew out to Leipzig and spent a week installing that shit together, like sweating in there every day. And like, really really attacking the show together um and you know the, the the reality is with final hot desert i'm working with strangers i'm meeting people on the internet and not, it doesn't work every time and but every once in a while like i find someone like hudson in a fucking warehouse or like or you you curate an artist that you really click and you realize you can achieve something more and take take that to a different space and so it's like how can you create okay, you're going to have offsite shows sick. Um, there's amazing things you can do with that, but also historically you can't really support a career like that. And so how do you, um, how do you make the offsite shows look like a, a space where artists can be respected? Because I think the biggest issue now I talked about like the offsite world really capping itself and losing its own respect. Um, mm. How do you create a space that, allows that they, they kind of like toes that line that that puts weights on both sides of the teeter-totter to actually help an artist's career and so an off-site show means more and so a gallery show in a white space can still be viewed as an off-site like i think that's so important to maintain that balance because i mean i mean we talk about being isolated but really we're just nomads like you've got to be able to move around and support people. Like, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, but it's good to be able to go back to that isolatory place. That exactly, place, exactly. Like you have to have that Haven or else, you know, you get caught up in these 
arbitrary social games. And, you know, like I talk to, I don't know, like I talk, like one of the things I'm interested in is like talking to artists who don't live in LA and New York. Like that's actually kind <laughs> of something that's kind of like a wave that I'm on right now because they sort of, they sort of understand that. And, you know, and there's always this kind of like pressure to, you know, integrate yourself 24 seven with the flows of society. But at the same yes. time, it's like you start to realize if, if you have sort of like a nomadic war subconscious, you know, you sort of like engender this kind of like cultural warlord where you just go wherever the fuck you want. And, you know, you go hang out and you need that isolation time. And it's really weird to me because you're talking about creating like ways that enrich other artists and build communities. That's something that I'm like, super fucking interested in doing especially here and i'm working on it like i'm trying to trying to do that um pretty far in, along but you know it's it's a little ways away but you know it's like making baby steps but you know what i mean it's just i really believe in democratizing things like bringing people in other parts of america need interesting experiences too and they yeah. already have the they already have those interesting experiences with it's themselves. Just not fetishized. And it's not mm -hmm. fetishized, but they could share them with other exactly. people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, and then it even gets into like like the 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 chemistry between the scientific brain of Hudson and my artistic brain has like completely changed both of our worlds. Oh, totally. And it's like it's like, but the scientific community does not fuck with this art shit typically. And so and so it's like or it has to know, be sanctioned by a certain yeah. And so it's like how yeah. how do you take Final Hot Desert to a point where it can be respected scientifically, <laughs> like archaeologically, like and and I mean, me and Hudson have talked about this for hours so many times, but it's like and then also how can you engage artists in the critical like understanding of like biological processes? Um, it gets insane. Yeah, the co I mean, that's just a beautiful palette to work from. Like the complexity of reality itself is is such a it's so rich. Like it's un it's so so oftentimes untapped. It's so rich, though. It's an understatement. Yeah, and so and so for like a scientific mind to like understand the the enriching aspect of of the arts and for and vice versa. Right. I mean, I, I, you see artist statements for shows, and it's like they're referencing one scientific thing that's like to a scientist is like basic as fuck, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. not, not intelligent at all. But then like the art world's like, Whoa, it's scientific. Well, like, yeah. It's like, it's like you've cut the two parts of the brain apart, but they need each other. Like you need to be able to study something religiously or academically, but then in order to even make that possible, you have to be able to fetishize it. You have to be able to build a culture around it. You have to be able to give it intensity. And like the two halves of this coin don't communicate enough. You know, that's well, that's the problem with neoliberalism is it doesn't have any sort of allegorical potency like the I Ching or anything. It's just so base and, and barren. And people don't understand like we actually need these things in order for people to buy in. Like that's kind exactly, of why the exactly. whole order is is kind of is is crumbling. Why 
culture and mainstream culture is kind of like crumbling. But it's interesting that you uh, to talk about like the alternative economies thing because you know NFTs was kind of seen as this you know uh, utopianist was <laughs> was exactly let's just say was but it was seen as this kind of marketplace where people can like artists can make a headway in speculative finance, but then you realize like it's buttressed by whales, like DAOs are these kind of like networks full of potential capitalist advisor type people. It's like advisors, capitalists, you know, coming together to create ownership within a digital space, but doesn't, but that's just not the same thing as like land. I mean, there are other things you can give to artists that are not financial, that don't have to do with money. It's like you said, it's like taking people, you know, from LA and and taking them to see these stalactites and these, you know, it, or just caves and, and shit like that. You know, like my mom lives in Alaska and I want to do stuff out there. I mean, you know, I've spent a lot of time out there and it's really something else too when you go to a place where it's like, if you don't fulfill a certain duty by a certain time, whether that's like shoveling the snow off the roof, yeah. getting something together, like you will fucking die. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that shit is really heavy. And that, that informs the consciousness of people as well. Like just being, a, being imbued with that sense of survival. And when you kick that mechanism into gear, which you do through, isolation by being sort of disconnected in a certain way, like it can yield, like it has a huge potentiality for changing, you know, the actual essence of who you are. Me and Hudson talk about studio endurance all the time. Oh, endurance. This whole thing is a fucking endurance contest. (laughs) You know, like I, I like, I stay super busy. Like, do you guys have day jobs or, uh, I mean, I'm studying constantly for my my classes and stuff. Yeah, and then and then I I uh, am in my uh, third stint at a warehouse right now, trying to make money quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do I do like outside shit all the time too, but I'm just constantly working on things like yeah, whether it's like that, recording a- soundtracks for people or just like doing stuff. And I, I have to be, I have to be working fucking super hard all the time. Well, yeah. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's like, and it's also, you talk about like that survival of the actions outside. It's the exact same way with any sort of practice too. It's like, it's a survival of like how many hours can you put in? Like even when mm-hmm. like, like, I don't remember who Hudson was quoting, but one time he's like, he's quoting this person and the person was like, everyone tells me to, to like slow down, to take more care of myself, uh, to not go so hard, but nobody's telling me to go fucking harder and get passionate. Yeah. And so it's like, because because the reality is no matter like how, how you spin it, the more time you put into something, the the more in sync with it you will be like the more in sync you'll be with yourself and the more capable you'll be to do anything yeah and and so just just like putting insane hours in the studio or studying is is uh, the backbone of honestly honestly all great works in my opinion yeah you have to be able to study yeah 
That quote comes from a guy called Lex Friedman. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I Into that community of podcasting. <laughs> that's really yeah. funny. That's so that's so funny that you put that you you named uh uh Lex Friedman. <laughs> that's so crazy Dude, I, to me. I vibe with that guy. <laughs> he does some crazy stuff as far as like like he pushes the academic boundaries outside of academia and he pushes it right into the conservative like uh space. It's crazy. And then closes a podcast by what what is love? Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> the craziest guy. Yeah, it's it's really fucking crazy right now just to to see the way that this kind of like para academia stuff. I feel like a lot of people have this kind of like real allergy to rigor and there's a sort of rejection of oh, it man. or or in order to make it a certain way you ha- I mean and this is just kind of the way things are like you have to aestheticize things like you have to have exactly you have to un- you have to like understand aesthetic language in order to communicate rigorous ideas mm-hmm. and people don't even understand like podcasting is mostly aesthetic you know what I mean like oh, there's yeah. a reason why like I do cover photo it's there it's not be it's like why I make shit on photoshop and do whatever i mean that stuff doesn't even take me that long to it's more like the editing and making yeah. music and shit like that takes a really long time but yeah i mean that's basically what it is it's like how are you trying to create a cosmology and final hot desert i don't know it's it's so fucking crazy to me cuz i just think people need that so bad right now it, it, and it's also interesting and frustrating in that, like, uh, it used to be more frustrating than it is now. Um, but like, to to be creating this and to like have and to have like people literally just not even like realize what it is. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's like it's been like one one of the focuses I've been trying to instate recently, like with that John Knight show is to take it away from these super um, trendy aesthetics to to kind of expose the core of it a little bit more because it, you, you know you can create a whole universe but you have to be um, you have to be that there's all like you have to calculate misunderstandings into a belief system like <laughs> like I I mean that and and I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Cause like you also like the misunderstandings of a belief system is how you like, how the Mormon church became neoliberalized. Like, mm. <laughs> like, like it's like, they don't talk about the, the intense stuff, the, the, the super crazy, amazing, beautiful lore uh, of, of this religion because they're, it's, it's, it's so hidden because, because they're so scared of the misunderstanding shaping it. And, and in, in the end, the I think most Mormons now, like mainstream Mormons, have a completely the, their complete understanding of the religion is very misunderstood um, because of trying to hide the misunderstandings. I, I don't know. It becomes it's 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 one thing to create a space for belief or work in the substrate of belief, and it's another to try and accommodate for the different kinds of beliefs that will be thrown into it by other people. Um, sort of like a survivalist way of going about it. Yeah. I don't know. It's because, it, because with every show, all of a sudden it becomes like, like, what is this doing for the longevity of the project? What is this like? 
are people still going to be able to connect with it? Um, and do I care? So yeah, I don't know. It gets interesting. Yeah. I, in one of your interviews, you said that you're a concussion magnet. You used to play competitive soccer and you got a lot of concussions. <laughs> I relate because I used to play football and basketball and I've like broken all my fucking fingers and shit. Just, um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of concussions too. And part of me is like, what the fuck? Did, did this do something to me? But I've always been like this. Like I was always like the weird. See, I, I wasn't like this at all. Like uh, I've had like... 12 or 13 concussions. Whoa, that many? Yeah, it's it was it got really bad. Like there was I mean after two of them were in like like my head's so fragile now like I had two that were triple concussions where I hit my head three times in a week and I like, got three different concussions. And one of those I, I remember this morning I woke up not this morning but um after the triple concussion I was like, "Oh, I want to read." I opened up a book and I was having trouble and I was like trying to sound out the words and I realized I couldn't read anymore. <laughs> and, um, uh, it scared me to death. And you know, it, 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 in my head, it's, um, and this, this is, a, I guess, a great anecdote to the belief stuff. Cause in my head, my, my, my life has been like one continuous timeline, but like I talked to like older friends and shit and I'm missing, I'm missing like a six month patch from high school and like a couple months from college and shit. And it's really interesting what, um, I mean, it also goes into consciousness too. It's like that shit's fragile. It can just disappear and reshape an entire perspective on something. Yeah. I and mean, I, I memory is lot. never one-to-one. It's always, oh, sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, Hudson. Like the interpretation yeah. too, the interpretation of these memories too. Like we have so much hard hardware built into us that were given to us by evolution, right? We think we have conscious control over the way we process the way our minds think about things, but we don't realize how much of it. We're just, we're just riding on the backs of evolution. And it's, and it's all actually changed through just trauma. Like, like, whether it's hardware trauma or whatever kind of trauma, like, I mean, uh, and I, I love, I love like alt theories on catastrophism, um, mm. just, just, I mean, there, there's that, there's that spinal catastrophism book. Yeah. This Thomas Moran. Yeah. 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 And then there's, but then you exactly. also just look at the early theories of, of just geo or deep, catastrophism, deep forefathers embedded in our bodies. Yeah. And, and so I don't know. And then you, you also talk about like intensity and abrasiveness working with iodine and all these different practices and structures. And it's through like a traumatic impact. Like you have to like slap, you have to slam something. You got to drop a cinder block. You got to correct the posture. Like it's only through like catastrophic. It's only through catastrophism that I feel like people are really shaped. Yeah. But it's almost strange now because we live in this palliative society of Instagram likes and, it's almost like this endless need for softness and positivity has incurred a kind of violence itself. And it's almost like, you know, it almost feels like you're under attack by this, by like this soft social structure that like kind of like constrains people. Like it constrains me. It makes me feel really fucking weird all of the time. So it's almost like we're being shaped 
but it's like a it's like a casual passive shaping, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, it's it's hard to say. Like, is that catastrophic? Like, is that catastrophism? It's not I, I catastrophism, but it's definitely some weird parallel design sort of uh, technicity kind of thing that's actually. <clears throat> you know, really sort of taking place. But at the same time, it's like, who's to say that that isn't traumatic, you know? Like, oh, that's, absolutely. Like, there is a kind of trauma induced by engaging with these structures as well. It's well, just not the same. Yeah. Or it's like worse or lamer. Or, or, or it's like you adjust to one sort of trauma and the other one hurts more. Like, <laughs> mm. yeah, it's, it's like, it's like to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you go. Yeah, you bring you bring softness to a hard place, and it's traumatic. You bring hardness to a soft place, and it's traumatic. And I don't know. I just think I think the world would be a better place if people could just get used to experiencing both, or, yeah. or not even both, just more, just more intensity. But intensity isn't always a negative thing. Like right, and just to, to intensely just feel things and allow yourself to do that, uh, and and to express that's a thing that. Um, isn't it can only be done through like actuals like not being scared of something of how it's received. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's um that's becoming more and more difficult though, just to like Yeah. It, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I it's funny because I feel like at least on my personal arc, it's becoming so much easier now. Yeah, no, like, same. And, and and it's interesting because like at the same time, like Final Hot Desert, I and I myself have all like gained a lot more acceptance around the world. Yet it feels so much easier to like. I mean, I guess I guess this is really basic shit. Actually, just yeah, as as you get acceptance, you realize it doesn't fucking matter one bit. <laughs> yeah, it's like damn. Uh, we just spent two months preparing a show, and sickest part of the show is making it, not actually the show. Like yeah. Well, that's why it's almost like the imperative to survive, you know, is so that you can adapt and learn more. It's not like what you get. Like, there is no real bounty for any of this stuff. No, not at all. It's like, I don't know. I just kind of want to be an unconscious bat. Just throw (laughs) a wing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm down to chill now. (laughs) Like I've achieved all my goals I set. Like, <laughs> yeah. How old are you guys? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, well, I'm 23. I'm 25. Damn, you guys are mad young. That's crazy. Yeah, little you babies. Are, you guys are doing all of this at that age. That's so fucking cool. Holy shit. I'm, just follow the shiny things <laughs> until they're not shiny anymore. <laughs> they're just like, fuck this. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of crazy. In my twenties, I was like touring a lot and like, I got to play, you know, like all, all of, and it, it was really fucking sick, but it was always like the process of, yeah, of doing it that I always enjoyed more than what I, it's like whenever I thought I wanted something and I got it, it, it was never as good as just, to wear yeah and and that's like that whole mormon philosophy of endless heavens like achieving heaven would fucking suck like but but at the same time like ascribing like a heaven that that like you have to consciously reach 
I, I, cause, cause the reality is, and you know, I'm saying this from a 25 year old's perspective, <laughs> but, uh, but like, I don't know what, what, what fucking matters more than the person you are at the end of all this shit. Like at the end of your fucking life, when you're, Nothing. you're experiencing the decay, it's like, it's like, it wasn't, it, it wasn't any of those things you set goals for. It's like what you unconsciously achieved through all of it. And, and that, and that, what that, what, what that achievement is, no one will ever fucking know. And it's just going to decay and become part of dust and be the ground someone walked on someday. And it's like to, yeah. And it's like, when you have that perspective, you know, every step is blessed. Like, like you're just, you're walking on the sands. Yeah. You're just walking on the sands of time and it's so chill. It is. <laughs> Do you think that society separates people from knowing that or feeling that or reckoning with that? Like, do you, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely, (laughs) definitely. Absolutely. Uh, that's, I mean, I, I can't even imagine a society where, where people, I can't even maintain that perspective myself every day. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like and, and I think it goes back to like spares concept of Kia, the, the complete absence of duality, the complete lack of consciousness is it's, in, it's impossible to, to even achieve, let alone maintain except through, except through just decay. Yeah. I mean, going for those kind of that endurance race we've been talking about, like like falling into that endurance is sort of the closest thing you get to falling to into unconsciousness, really. Yeah. You just get pulled along by the demons of you know the structure. You don't if you're in if you're deep in in that endurance mindset, you're not really conscious, I think. You really just, yeah, it's just that flow state. Yeah, that's I don't know that that's probably pretty close. So no, I don't think it's. I, I I think yes, people are actively working against it, but I also don't think it's achievable. Like look at every utopian project, every communist project. Like yes, a hundred percent. If you want to talk about that, that would be. I like how you yeah. talk about multiple heavens and you know repeating heavens, repeating heavens. It's such a beautiful statement. Yeah, and it's just infinity. It's actually accepting infinity, and it's saying that also this shit didn't start here and never actually fucking started. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it, it goes on forever. It's like it's like it's it's been mathematically proven. Like the universe is a fourth dimensional shape, and that's why we're experiencing time. It's just one fucking shape. It doesn't have a start and an end. Like, it just exists. It just exists, and it just cycles. And it's like, you know. Uh, I mean, even, even the early Mormons, it, when they came to Utah, had communist communities. It didn't fucking work out. Uh, I mean, it, it's really funny. You look at like, uh, I mean, I, I find myself researching these. I mean, it gets into all the, like the, the online cult research and shit. But like you start to see these crazy architectural structures that these communities made. And you immediately start to idolize, like, oh my god, they did it because they built something. But then, yeah, then no, you, definitely. Yeah, and then and then you like look at what actually ended up happening, and it's always a disappointment, no matter what. Um, and 
I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think, I think, I think just a thought I have is like, you know, if, if these um, ideas and structures weren't stomped down early and you let them grow to their fruition, I think the real thing you'd lose isn't like, I don't think these communist ideas would end up working out. Like these utopian societies would work out, but I think you would lose the easy dichotomy of left and right very quickly. Exactly. And, and, and that's what's, that's why it's being stomped out is because once you actually try to achieve these things, you realize you, you just come to terms with re- reality of consciousness exactly. and that there, there isn't any of this like, communist versus capitalist shit it's just being a hundred percent no i i really agree with that i'm very sort of like anti-20th century ideology i don't believe in left or right i don't believe in any of that shit that's what really pisses people off too yeah it does but but that's what's so fucking sick about like pray for the oil and gas industry we made those shirts with eye and eye and it's like the most liberal leftists (laughs) will buy that shit and love it and like also it's like but that text is directly from a meme when gas prices went negative for a second. And like some, like it was like right wing moms on uh, Facebook actually like doing like little, like uh, whisper pictures of like a sunset and like the like oil drills and the text across it says, pray for the oil and gas industry, completely non-ironically, completely like we need to pray for the oil and gas industry Cause they're hurting right now and God and like God loves capitalism. <laughs> and <laughs> so then to, to, to take that phrase and implement it in a way where, where it's neither right nor left and people aren't sure how ironic they're being. Yeah. I, that, that, that's, that's what, I, that's what I love is when Same. They, yeah, they exactly. believe in something they don't know if it's ironic or not. Exactly. I think that's, well, that's just sort of like, polysemic reasoning and i think that we're that's so lost on people right now mm-hmm. is that there are so many ways that we can interpret this stuff and it's also really interesting that people are still having these sort of materialist debates when sort of like the entirety of human production you know of conscious human production exists within these digital uh, meteorological and linguistic vectors. I find it to be really, really weird that people are still harping on these. And again, like that piss, if you point that out, people are like, whoa, galaxy brain over here thinks he's like too fucking, <laughs> thinks he's like too fucking good for everything. He's like for us, like low, you know, low vibrational, blah, blah, blah. And like, look, I get it. There's a certain jouissance that, people enact by having to point out that they're somehow like above it all, which I'm against that too. Like, I think that's wrong too. It's more just like showing people a path, like a different path. Um, And and, and the the reality is, is like fucking normies get that shit though. Sometimes. Oh yeah, totally. Like, like I work in warehouses, like all, all my, all my homies from art school, uh, are not really interacting with the art world. And then they, we went to art school in a tiny ass town in Utah. Like, like it's really nice because you are able to have these conversations with people that are completely like 
apart from the art world, apart from any academia. And they, and and, you know, sometimes they don't get it, but sometimes they do. It's like, yeah, it's not some holier than thou shit. It's just like, it's just like, it's just like, have you figured out how to live a life that like feels good? And and can you accept that you're not in control of everything? Can you relinquish like your firm grip on an ideology that's been force fed to you, but accept that like, it's a reality too. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. That, that makes a lot of sense. I just like, if there's anything that I think I could impart or you guys, it's like, it seems like you guys are really doing it. Like you have no idea. I feel so good just talking to you guys right now. (laughs) Honestly, like I'm like incredibly grateful just because I feel like so much of the conversations I've had have been like people who are actively sort of like fighting against these, these, like Uh, these spirits. Yeah. It's just like, uh, yeah, my, my two favorite like phrases are the Gnostic posture correction systems and like pressing yourself into sediment, like, like just removal of removal of it's, it's just alignment and pressure. Like, yeah, that's all I really believe life is. It's just slowed down alignment and pressure. And people love this idea, you know, where it's of, you know, trying to relinquish selective pressure or try to get rid of it. Um, I want to be smashed into sediment. Like, oh, same. I want my bones pulverized. Like, oh, I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole point. A- I mean, I, 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 yeah, exactly. Same. Like, I don't fear that at all. And it's, no. You know, it's and it's the infinity loop of yeah. heaven that that exists that I think people are, you know, I don't know if you it, would... it latches. Sorry, it it also latches onto that deep time aspect, like like imagining your your being just being obliterated. It doesn't like it's such a it's such a deep time thing. Like the eternities will keep coming and they'll keep coming, and your body will just continuously be smashed slowly, just compressed and and purified and sorted and just like forgotten about just the in the eons and the earth they'll just keep going like yeah it's a, such a cool i'd love that 100 yeah. percent of species go extinct like <laughs> i don't fear that at all <laughs> yeah and they get buried i think extinction is something that people really fear it's something that people are really afraid of but you know, if we're doing all this stuff to the environment and there's no way to sort of disengage from it, I think the the way in which people are using climate change to enact this kind of control over selective pressure at the end of an That's epoch, it's it's really kind of gnarly. It's like, no, just let it happen. Let our bones yeah, be smashed. Yeah. Like let it I mean it's it's fascinating. Uh well, it's interesting because people like really, really um, put their climate change um, ideas and like project them on the final hot desert a lot being an outdoor thing. And like I've gotten like like people see it as like a very like climate change thing, whatever, um, which is not the intention at all. It's everything we just talked about is the intention. Um, and then it's also interesting because like, okay, like you want – First of all, your, your whole motives are preservation of a species that, like I said, 100% of species go extinct. 
and decay is the beauty of everything. Mm. And then B, it's like, if you want to last longer, you're not going to be able to live like you're living now. Like, right. everything will change. Like, like, you, like this whole spike of progress that we come every every single graph we look at is this huge spike of progress. That's, like, yeah, call that accelerationism, whatever, but like, that's not maintainable forever. Like, no. maintaining is a constant flat line. <laughs> like, right. Like you can't have a phone, you can't have internet, you can't, you can't have like a house, like you can't have shit. Like how long can we continue to pull those precious metals out of the ground and build these devices and these black, these, what do we call them? These black mirrors, right? Or whatever. Like that can't last forever for sure. It's just, uh, it's a symptom of consciousness. Right. Well, and that's, I guess that's the whole point. Like we build things and we construct systems that can't last forever because we can't last forever. We are the only way we can look at things is beginning and end. We are a decay. And so we can't, we construct decay. How long have we been on? Like uh, two hours. Dang. Um, (laughs) That's a long one. Um, I don't know. I just, just dust to dust. I, I think as That's long as you can look in the mirror and see dust, look, look at the, and just press yourself in, press yourself into, to, to being and acknowledging that, that you are only experiencing through consciousness, but you're operated through unconsciousness. I think that allows for, you know, you can say what you want about the art world, about projects like final hot desert iodine. It can be really like cool to experiment with that. Um, but in the end, it's, it's, it's maintaining a mentality of using what you have to, to, to push yourself to be as purely you as you can and to be able to express that and to create communities that way. Those are the alternative economies I'm interested in, are alternative economies of consciousness and fulfillment and just being. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, yeah, thank you so much, guys. I really, really appreciate it. This this is like massive white pill. I'm so <laughs> massive white pill. <laughs> no, seriously. Well, yeah, I mean, we should we should keep in touch though, because I love everything you guys are doing. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Super amazing shit, man. Like, <laughs> I'm just God. That's so inspiring. Sick. All right. Yeah, we're well, about yeah. to go have Thanksgiving with my family now. Oh, Woo. sick. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's guys, ha- have a good night. Have a great Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace out. Had to realize that I just met a persona. I don't know Louise, but I show no Madonna. And I feel like Coco Chanel with the number. Shots out this empty stomach that don't fuel all this hunger. Out of body, I is the music to my ears.
city major will be coming in. She don't fall in love, she waste time. She don't fall in love, she take time. She oscillate, she waste line. She oscillate, she baseline. She out of state, she stay line. She out of space, she space time. She. She a wild star, she a compressed, she a hot mess, she a shot wild, she a The premeditated nature of the economy Collapse like empires, collapse like implants Get stomped out like incest, fall face first, broke impact 1200 words, no syntax, no, no syntax She shoot a shot, no pentax, no, no pentax The premeditated nature of economy. The premeditated nature of economy. Under construction, that's black and decker, that's caterpillar, that's manufactured, that's Tyvek, that's T Pinnock, Alexander Graham Bell. No riddicks, I'm a super chronicle. No riddick, go to cut clay, like there's no critics. So no tickets, I hit no critics. Call me a human, I'm a top chicken, I got no interest. No difference, I need always eat. Freak song, 
reach some, peak some, still at some, lay some, tweak some, eat some, on any some, keep some, keep some, eat some, on any some, tweak some, lay some, peak some, still at some.